thank you for the blessings of life. And uh, Father, we had several just praise requests, or praise items, that is, and, and uh, we do thank you for that. Miss Barbara, just thanking you for the good time of fellowship, uh, the devotion uh, that spoke to her heart uh, yesterday. Lord, thank you for uh, those within our church family that give those devotions. Uh, uh, the ladies uh, have different ladies each month, and the men have different men each month, and we thank you for that. And just uh, uh, just a great time uh, for the church family to get together and, and uh, Father, to uh, grow in you and to grow in fellowship. Um, uh, Brother Kenny, uh, just uh, praying, Lord, for his test that he had last week and just praying, Lord, that everything will come back well there. Good to have him here with us this morning. Uh, Miss Sue, just praising you for your mercy and love and your goodness. And, Father, certainly uh, we have that all the time. We want to thank you for that uh, this morning. Uh, Brother Vernon, that is, just thanking you for uh, Brother Bob and Miss Sharon and, uh, Father, just uh, helping him with many things. And, uh, Lord, uh, uh, as he said, you know, going out and hanging out door hangers and being a part of our visitation program, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. And, and Brother Bob as well, echoing the same thing and uh, just thankful for church family and thankful uh, that uh, he could be used uh, to, to, to uh, help Vernon. And, and again, we've seen some fruit from that, so we do thank you for that. Um, uh, Brother Brad, uh, just thanking you for your goodness and thanking you for, um, you know, our sound system uh, doing much, much better right now. So we continue to lift that up to you, Lord, and pray that you'll continue to bless there. Uh, Brother Carr, I'd like to pray for uh, Miss Danielle and the kids, Lord, for travel grace and safety. I'm sure he's missed them and looking forward to having them back home. Miss um, Pauline, uh, wanting to pray for family, and uh, Lord, uh, all of us probably have family we're concerned about spiritually or in other ways, Lord, we just lift them all up to you. Um, I'm sure we're all thankful for our families. Just pray that you'd bless them. She also would like for us to pray for our country as well. Uh, Miss uh, Emma, I would like to pray for her granddaughter. She's got a kidney stone, and Lord, we know that's a very serious, painful situation. We lift that up to you today, and pray, Lord, the doctors and nurses, all those involved in her care, do the right things, and hopefully, uh, whether it's just passing it or surgery, Lord, everything will go well, and she'll get back to feeling better. Again, Lord, we just thank you for this time. Pray, Father, that you'll bless us. Uh, be with our Sunday school lesson this morning. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Uh, amen and amen. All right, all right. So as we've been doing, um, I think it's been kind of interesting. Some of the folks have mentioned that they kind of like seeing, you know, where these things take place uh, uh, there in Israel. So I just have a few little slides that I just want to kind of show you. Um, the area in which uh, Jesus fed the 5,000, and a lot of his miracles are in an uh, area of Israel uh, that is known uh, uh, as Galilee. And so you see the, the wedge-shaped uh, country of Israel, and then if you go up to the top, you see the big body of water about middle ways of the screen. That would be the Dead Sea. And you follow the Jordan River straight up north, and you run into the Sea of Galilee, and really, it's, it's a lake. Uh, it's not like we would think as a sea, as, we, as you will see here in just a moment. And so that area right there is really where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. I mean, he spent a lot of time in the area of Galilee, okay? Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll kind of blow this up a little bit. And so now we're, we're up in that spot. And so you see the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you'll notice up there at the top, just to kind of give you a perspective of all this, that is a gauge right there. So from zero, that's eight miles, that little thing there. So if you take that and transfer it down the Sea of Galilee, you see it's not really that big. I mean, you can see across it. It's, it's not like a, a sea. 
uh, although uh, the storms could really blow down in that area uh, as well and cause a lot of problems. And just, uh, just to mention a few things, just to give you an idea of, of some things going around, uh, Bethsaida, that's the area probably uh, where uh, this miracle took place. Uh, there's a lot of things that took place there. We read a lot about Capernaum uh, right there, uh, there on the north end of that. Uh, is uh, Capernaum. That's where Peter lived, uh, James and, and John as well. Uh, that's where they had their fishing business, if you will. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Where Nazareth? Where is Nazareth? I can't see that far. Why don't I look here? Where Brother Brad gave me all this high-tech stuff, and I'm not even using it. And uh, so, yeah, it's down, down right in this area uh, is where Nazareth is. Uh, that's where Jesus grew up as a boy. And so it just kind of gives you an idea of where some of these things are that we're talking about. Uh, also Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine. That's right in there, uh, supposedly, you know, some of these things. There's Nazareth right there. So, so it kind of gives you an idea uh, of the location of these things. I just think it helps us remember these things better, you know, to be able to picture these in our mind when they happen. And then I also just have some, some things off the internet that I got as far as what it looks like. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty. Uh, you know, and you notice here on this side, I'm not sure what part of Galilee this is, but uh, you kind of see the mountains in the back. So there's a lot of different landscape that, that goes around uh, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, so a very beautiful place. Uh, you see here, uh, this is kind of the mountainous side. Um, uh, you know, so, so it, the, the terrain changes a lot uh, around the Sea of Galilee. And like I said, this is what it looks like today. And so, <clears throat> so we're in this area, probably the west side. I showed you where Bethsaida was at. And so we're, we're in that area somewhere where we get to this miracle of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. Uh, and, and we're going to just talk about a few things and we'll get into it just to kind of as an introduction. You can kind of read along there on your notes, make, make notes if you'd like uh, as well. And so I'm going to go ahead and turn to these passages myself because I haven't, uh, haven't done it myself. I was looking at something else. So um, we're looking at uh, Luke 9 and uh, just kind of mark your place and then John chapter 6 uh, as well. So we'll go ahead and get there so we're not fumbling around here while we're trying to teach. And uh, so, so we're looking at this miracle, and it's, it's, it's something that I think is significant because you find this miracle in all four Gospels, uh, which I believe uh, teaches us that it's a, it's a very important uh, happening. In other words, this, this uh, event that takes place, uh, God has it uh, recorded in all four of the Gospels. Um, and from the scriptures, though, you know, just kind of want to, you know, preface a few things here. Uh, if we read the scriptures before, again, all four gospel accounts, we learned that this particular crowd of 5,000 men, and by the way, that was just the men. That didn't count the women and children that were there. So it could have been 10,000. It could have been 15,000. Uh, you know, it could have been a, bi a big number. Uh, we just don't know, but it was 5,000 men. But we know this particular crowd was, was gathered together because many of them had already seen... Uh, uh, Christ's miracle, some of his other miracles. As a matter of fact, John chapter 6, verse 2, um, this was, uh, notice what it says, and a great multitude followed him. So this is just right before he would feed the 5,000. And here's why, because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. 
And so, you know, a lot of the folks there not necessarily there for particularly spiritual reasons, but because there was there was some fascinating things going on with this man who who uh, uh, claimed to be the son of God, and and uh, so so they were there uh, uh, because uh, of his miracles, and that's fine. You know, we're we're not saying that was a bad thing, uh, but uh, uh, but we know that Christ came for more reasons than just healing the sick and and feeding the hungry, right? And, uh, and so as, we, as you get into this, we're going to learn, and most of us probably already know this, that Jesus would eventually take five loaves of bread and two fishes, uh, and he would uh, feed uh, well over 5,000 uh, people and even have 12 basketfuls of leftovers left over. Uh, and so, so it was a, a, tremendous, a, miracle, a tremendous miracle, again, found in all four uh, of the Gospels. Now, we're going we're gonna to kind of set the, the miracle off the side. We'll come back to it. But I think it's, we get a better understanding of this miracle when we kind of look at some things that happened after the miracle. Uh, and uh, after this miracle, uh, Jesus uh, uh, sends his disciples uh, on to Bethsaida, uh, and uh, they would get back in the boat uh, to, to travel uh, and he would later, this is when Jesus would come walking, walking on the water to them. We'll look at that next week. Um, now, these 5,000 people, these men, and that didn't count the, the women and children, they would come looking for Jesus again. Uh, you know, uh, in other words, they, they've, they've seen miracles, disease. He's fed them. Uh, he's went to another location. Uh, they find him in that other location, and you can see the area is relatively small, so it's not, you know, it's pretty easy to understand how they could do that. Um, and uh, so they would catch up to him again, again, you know, probably wanting to be fed, you know, wanting to see more miracles. Um, but Jesus would take the time, and, and really, you know, the whole lesson here is what, what I believe that God would have us to understand. We'll make some applications and stuff is that Jesus would go ahead and teach them that, he, that certainly he was God, you know, only God could do those things, uh, and that he provided not only physical bread, uh, but that spiritual bread on all who that would believe him. Uh, and the Bible says uh, in John chapter 6, verse 35, and Jesus, this was after this miracle, uh, he's gone to Bethsaida, they find him again, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Of course, he wasn't talking about physical, uh, uh, physical hunger and physical thirst. He was talking about spiritual hunger, amen? In other words, being saved. And uh, so the ultimate teaching of this miracle was just that, that Jesus is the bread of life. And, and we'll revisit that um, again toward the, the end of the lesson. And so we'll get right into this. Just want to go ahead and take some time and break this story down just uh, verse by verse as we kind of flip back and forth between uh, Luke and John. And we'll start off in the book of John. And uh, we're going to back up just a little bit. And uh, this whole thing starts off when the disciples return from preaching and healing to be with Christ. In other words, Jesus would send them out on a preaching tour, if you will. Uh, and uh, so Luke chapter 9, look there at verse 1. Let's go ahead and read it. It says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Uh, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing of, for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, uh, neither have two coats apiece. 
And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And uh, verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Then we skip down to verse 10, and uh, we find them returning from this. And it says, And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Uh, and he took, the, and, uh, he took them and went aside privately into a desert place uh, belonging uh, to the city of Bethsaida. And uh, so we see here that uh, this starts off with the disciples. As you see there on your notes, they're returning from their preaching time uh, to be with Christ. Then we see that Jesus uh, took his disciples uh, to a desert place, as we just read, uh, but the people would see him. In other words, Jesus was, at this moment, his preference would have been to, for him and his disciples to get alone for a little while. But again, we, we see what happened here in verse 11. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, which happened a lot, and he received them uh, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them uh, that had need of healing. And uh, so, so again, uh, Jesus took his disciples to be alone, but that didn't happen uh, because the people found him and, and they were, were wanting things. And, and Christ, uh, because of his love and mercy, uh, did that. And let her see, at evening, though, the disciples are concerned about the people uh, having food. And this is where we start to get into the, the actual miracle. And when the day, verse 12, uh, Luke 9, 12, And when the day uh, began to wear away, uh, then came the twelve and said unto them, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals, that's food, for we are here in a desert place. In other words, there wasn't anything to eat there. <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot uh, that was going on. And uh, so uh, Jesus takes the occasion here uh, to prove them. Uh, okay? And so he does this. He, he asked Philip the question, but it was for all of them that were there. Now to look at that, save your place in Luke 9, go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 6, as we're looking you know, at uh, uh, John's account of that. Uh, look at verse 5. It says uh, there, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come with him, he saith uh, unto Philip, Which shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now notice what verse 6 says, though. In this he said, that is Jesus, to prove him. In other words, to test Philip. Um, but notice the last part of the verse. He, but it says, For he himself, that's Jesus, knew what he would do. Okay, and we'll come back to that thought. That's a very important uh, uh, part of this story uh, as well. So he asked him a question to, again, to prove Philip, and I believe uh, all those there that day, and even us today. Then we see Philip's answer. Uh, notice what he says here. Uh, Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. A penny worth, depending on who you're looking at, but from what I understand, a penny worth was a day's wages. Uh, and so he's saying 200 days of wages wouldn't feed all these people. So that would be, you know, six, seven months, okay, of, 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 of a, you know, over half an annual salary wouldn't be able to take care of these things. So we see right away that Philip isn't really looking at this from a miracle standpoint, is he? He's looking at, okay, what's Philip looking at as? What, 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 what could we do? You know, the, the, this is impossible for us to do. Uh, and certainly that, that, uh, uh, that, that is certainly true, uh, no doubt about that. 
And uh, so, again, he, he answers him. But also Andrew, he kicks in as well. Uh, although he, he kind of has a, uh, you know, at least he's kind of, you know, has a little bit of an idea. Although I don't believe he was, you know, really thinking that would work. But he says in uh, John chapter 6, verse 8, um, uh, it says there that uh, in one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad, and a lad is just a little boy, uh, here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but were they among so many? Uh, uh, you know, and that's us. You know, it's like you know, you know, this this isn't going to happen. You know, uh, and so again, we we see some some things there, the some ways of thinking, humanly speaking. You know, we, we would be thinking the same thing, okay? Uh, and so we carry on, and we go back to Luke chapter nine. Mark your place, keep your place there in Luke or John six. We may go back there. And uh, so Jesus begins to show uh, this miracle, and he has everyone set down in groups of 50s. Um, and it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, it says, For they were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by 50s in a company. Uh, and they did so, and, and made them all sit down. And uh, so he has all of them sit down, uh, again, in those groups. Um, and then... Uh, Jesus blesses and breaks the bread. He takes the five loaves and the two fishes, and he has the disciples give it out to the multitudes. And this is amazing because there's really just one verse that explains the miracle, but I mean, if you stop and think about it, this is amazing. Uh, it says in verse 16, Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, uh, that is the, the food, uh, and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. Uh, and the Bible says, as we look there, everyone was filled, uh, and 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered. We read that in verse 17. And they did eat and were all filled, and there was taken up from fragments that remained to them 12 baskets. So, I mean, what a tremendous miracle. You know, that was just, they just kept reaching in, and it was still there. It was still there uh, as, as God... Uh, uh, fed these, uh, these 5,000, just the men, well over 5,000 uh, we, can, we can safely assume there. And uh, so that's the story, okay, as we kind of break down and look at some things from John and Luke. Uh, and there's some things we could gather from the other Gospels as well, uh, but time just doesn't allow us to do that. And so, so what we learn, okay, and I mentioned this already from John chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus already knew what he would do to feed the 5,000, you know, and, and, and guys, here's the thing, is that we, we see things, you know, we see things that seem impossible to us, you know. Uh, you know, we, we have, you know, the pastor gets up and says, okay, here's, here's what we could do as a church. And our mind automatically goes, well, we don't have enough people, we don't have this, and we don't have that, and, you know, we... You know, all the, we see all these obstacles in our way, right? Uh, uh, 200 penny worth, you know, wouldn't, you know where, where, where's this going to come from, okay? But the thing is, is that God's already got a plan, right? God already knows what he's going to do, okay? And obviously, you know, we're, he, you know, uh, uh, those things that seem impossible to us, that's where God works, amen? I mean, if it was possible for us to do, then God wouldn't need to do a miracle, would he? Right? Amen. And we could apply that to a lot of things, okay, uh, whether it's church, family, or own personal life, or what have you. So God, we learned there that God certainly had a plan. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I think what we tend to do as a people, Philip, uh, the, all those there that day, myself, 
it's not, you know, it's not when we, when we see something like this, it shouldn't be what are we going to do, but what is God going to do? <laughs> That's what we need to see, amen, uh, because we can't do anything, right? Uh, so we, we have to depend on, on, on Christ uh, to do this. And uh, Jesus has them in a situation here where there is, they, they couldn't even attempt to figure out how to feed all these people. It was gonna, God was going to have to do it, uh, and he already had a plan. And I think God puts us in situations uh, like that uh, ourselves. Uh, and again, uh, Jesus asked Philip to test Philip and the others as well, and even us uh, today. And I think that's important uh, to to understand because we're like Philip, you know, uh, all of us would probably be the same way um, uh, when faced with a problem or an obstacle. We begin to think, what what do I need to do? Here's what I, I, I I'm I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. Um, and uh, uh, Philip tried to see the task from a human perspective. And there, that's us, right? I mean, there's our problem. <laughs> we kind we well, preacher, we got to be practical about this, okay? Well, being practical would be two hundred penny worth wouldn't feed all these people, okay? Uh, I guess God's not practical, right? <laughs> right? He does the impossible, and uh, so I think that's important. And so the thing is, as I said a while ago, when God is factored in, all things are possible. Hallelujah, Amen. You know, no matter what it is we might be facing, uh, we have to, to give that uh, over to God. And so uh, Philip was certainly focused on the supply, um, and it wasn't good from his view. Oh, preacher, I don't know, this don't look good. You know, I don't, I don't see how this is going to happen. Um, he was focused uh, on the amount of food. Uh, and again, you know, reasonably thinking, humanly speaking, it didn't make sense. <laughs> it didn't make sense. Uh, but, uh, but when we're focused on uh, what we can do, it is impossible. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, but, uh, when, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. Um, I think I have this. Uh, Luke one thirty seven. for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Nothing. And nothing means nothing. And so those are just some practical things uh, that we learn there. And uh, so we've had the story. We, we, we see what uh, some teaching is there. And uh, so get down to uh, my favorite part of teaching is, is applying this. In other words, principles to be applied. In other words, how we can use this from what we've learned uh, in our own life today. And, and that's what this is all about. So number one... Uh, God can use anyone and very little to do much. Amen. Matter of fact, that's his preferred method. You know, I'm finding out as life goes on that the less I have to do with what God's doing, it usually turns out a whole lot better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, when I get my little grubby paws in there and put my two cents worth in there. It usually makes it, you know, it's not as good as it could be. Amen. Hey, we just do the yielding. We do the trusting. We do the obeying. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, right? And God does the work. And so God used a lad, which was really just a little boy, unnamed, and all he had was five loaves and two fish, as we saw there uh, in John chapter 6, verse 9. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that we can learn here. Um, the, the first thing that, that I'd, I'd like to point out to you, and, and again, this, not all this stuff's on your notes. I, I try to leave you a little space there to jot things down just to kind of keep you focused on the lesson. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this little boy. He's unnamed, um, just, just a little guy. But 
here he was. How, how, how was he able to be used by God in this way? Well, he was in a position to help, first of all. You know, um, there, there's been a lot of things going on in our country for really the last several years, not just recently, um, that, that we... Um, I, I've said this before, folks. You know, there's no room for lone wolf Christianity. You don't find that in the Bible. And when we isolate ourselves, we take ourselves out of position to be used by God. Amen. Amen. Okay. And so we need to be, we need to be thinking about this. This little boy, he, matter of fact, that lad means literally a little boy. A little, little boy. You know, like kindergartner, even younger. But he was in a position to help, and, and he gave what he had, and God was able to take this little boy, unnamed, very little that he had, and to use it in a big way. And that's all God wants out of us. Do what? I don't know what it was. The Bible doesn't say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's lunch or not, sis. It could have been, you know. But, but the point is, is that, that God was able to take what this little boy had and to use it in a mighty and powerful way. But he was in a position to do that. And we have to put ourselves in a position to be used uh, the same way. And so we see there that Jesus blessed the gift. Uh, certainly it was used in this miracle. Uh, and and we've got to put ourselves in a position to be used by, by Christ as well. You know, be involved in the ministry. Be involved in outreach. Be involved in the services uh, those types of things. Amen? Um, uh, it's not just to, to be served, but for you to serve as well and uh, put yourself in a position to be, uh, to be used. Uh, number two, oh, I'm having to hit that twice. Um, uh, number two, the needs of people are more important than our own. Just let that seek in for just a little bit. Amen? Why don't we do a lot of things we don't do? Because I don't feel like it, you know, I can't, I, you know, I, I, I have, the, you know. Um, Jesus' disciples were, were seeking some rest, as we saw there. And so we need to understand that the needs of people are more important than our own. Um, and certainly we see uh, that uh, uh, scene. Um, uh, we do need rest at times, and God will provide that for us. Maybe not on our timetable. <laughs> but he will provide that for us, okay? Uh, and it's not always on his timing. There's been times, you know, you guys have been there. You think, well, you know, I got this day coming up. I may, I may take a little time for myself. Well, something happens and you're needed, you know. Uh, hey, listen, God's in control. Well, God, you, I, must, I must, hey, look, maybe I didn't need that rest. I, this, people need me, right? And so that's the attitude that we all need to have. Um, Jesus, again, he, he and his disciples were seeking for some rest. That would have been his pre preference at the time. But Jesus saw the multitude, and the key thing there is he had compassion. You know, compassion, we preached on that, right? Uh, it changes everything about a man or a woman, amen? Compassion, uh, uh, even though um, he knew that, that most of them were, they were just simply there to be fed, it wasn't like they were looking for deep spiritual, you know, awareness and teaching. Uh, they, they, want, they were hungry and they wanted to be fed again. Uh, pretty trivial compared to really what God was wanting to show them. But my point is, it's not only Jesus, but his disciples as well, just coming back from a preaching trip, if you will, 
uh, yet they, they got up and they went to work. They put others' needs before their needs. What the people needed was more important than what they needed. Amen? Uh, and that's important to understand, and you th see that throughout the Bible. Look at the life of Paul. Uh, look at the life of Christ. Uh, we see that time and time again. Uh, and he took that opportunity, uh, even though uh, they were looking for some rest, to teach them uh, the Bible reveals there until the end of the day. And again, the disciples followed that example uh, as well. And I don't think it should be any different uh, for any of us uh, as well. Uh, number three, we've already talked about this, and certainly uh, it is true, God can do the impossible. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, maybe some of us here today, we've seen that in our own lives. You know, we're where God did the impossible. Only God can do that. Uh, uh, and uh, when we're uh, at the, the end of ourselves, I won't take the time to tell you, but I think I shared the story with Layla and her high fever that one time. And, and uh, uh, God blessed there uh, our son with his eyesight. You know, all types of things that, that man, you know, couldn't do anything about, threw their hands up, but God stepped in and said, here's, here's what I can do. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I'm sure some of us uh, have, have similar stories uh, as well. And so God can do the impossible. As a matter of fact, that's where he works the best. Amen. <laughs> that's where he works the best. Number four, uh, the only way to really be tested by the Lord is by things that are out of our control. <laughs> you know? Hey, if I could do it, then it wouldn't be a miracle, right? I mean, because I, you know, I can't do nothing. You know, if I could, you know, I say it all the time. If I can do something, anybody can do it, okay? Uh, but but uh, uh, that's certainly not a good gauge to go off of. <laughs> and uh, so the only way to really be tested by the Lord is by things that are out of our control. You know, sometimes we're asking God to remove something out of our life that he really wants to use, you know. And, and, and so, again, we, we need to, to be careful about those things. Uh, again, we have the tendency, as we've talked about, to look at things from a practical standpoint. And we say, well, you know, uh, you know, that can't happen. That's never going to happen. You know, you know, I don't know about that. You know, and I'm saying me, I, I, I say these things. Uh, I'm pretty pessimistic about things. Uh, but this is where God himself uh, comes in and, and shows us differently. Amen. And uh, uh, God has proven me wrong so many times. Amen. Where I just didn't think that, you know, eh, this isn't going to work. You know, this, this isn't going to happen. Uh, and, and God uh, proves to us time and time again that he can certainly do, number three, the impossible. But number four, the only way to really be tested by the Lord is by things that are out of our control. Amen to that. Uh, number five, uh, Jesus didn't want anything wasted. We see there that uh, uh, he literally says that. Let's look at that again. I think this is important. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 12, it says, uh, When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments, and here's why, that remain, that nothing be lost. You know, when, when God supplies us things and gives us things, whether it's material things, people in our lives, whatever it is, you know, he, he wants us to use that, amen? You know, uh, we, us Americans, we have so much that we're very wasteful sometimes with things. Uh, uh, and, and, I just, and it isn't just about food, okay? Uh, but, but I'm just saying, you know, when God... Listen, anything that you have right now in your life is because God has allowed you to have it. Amen? 
And, and we never need not forget that. So we need to treat it that way. Be thankful for it. Have respect for it. Amen. We don't want to waste. And, and so Jesus didn't want anything wasted. And I think that's a very, very important lesson uh, that we learn uh, uh, as well. And uh, so we need to be good stewards over that which God blesses us with. Um, and certainly has to be used as he intends it to be used as well. I think that's uh, important. All right, number six. Jesus is the bread of life. And, and this is really what all of this pushes towards. I've already mentioned it. But let's look there at John chapter 6, verse 32 and 35. And we'll read some verses and we'll be done, have some time for some questions or comments. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, this is after the miracle. It says, uh, Therefore, uh, uh, verse 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, that would be Jesus, and giveth life, that's eternal life, unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Now, this same group of people, they followed him, been fed. They're, they're still kind of thinking along the lines of, 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 of you know, uh, physical type bread. In other words, okay, give us this bread that we can eat and we never, we'll never be physically hungry anymore. Um, then uh, he said uh, unto, they, then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Amen. Uh, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And uh, so a very, very uh, important there. You know, Jesus, as we've talked about this before in other lessons, you know, Jesus wanted them to see the miracles, uh, but those were confirmatory. In other words, the miracles that Jesus did proved who he said he was. But the miracles weren't the end result. The, the miracles were to get them to understand, hey, this is, this is Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God. This is how you are truly forgiven of your sins. Um, and, and he's that, the one that gives that eternal life uh, uh, as uh, uh, someone that would go on and die uh, for uh, their sins. And so Christ, again, is that true bread needed for eternal life. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 48 uh, the Bible uh, says, Jesus says, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. So, you know, it didn't help them spiritually speaking, kept them alive physically for a while, but they did die a physical death. Um, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. So he's, he's connecting himself to this. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life uh, of the world. Um, and so very, uh, very wonderful news there. Of course, uh, he would go on to say some things that if you don't read the whole passage would make it sound like he says, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But he was spiritually speaking there about... Uh, literally accepting him as your savior you know that he's the bread of life amen you need to be uh, you need to be saved and uh, and so again those are some some uh, principles that we learn uh, what a what a wonderful wonderful story all right anybody have any questions or comments we got a little bit of time miss anita right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he, you know, he could have offered it, you know, uh, you know, he could have said, hey, I've got something. The Bible doesn't reveal. 
Right, right, yeah, you know. So, But the point is, is he was in a position, however it happened, whether he voluntarily gave it or not, he was there to, to be used of God. And that's where we need to be as well, you know, to, to be used of God. Brother Bob? Yeah, amen. Little as much when God is in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, amen, amen, yeah, amen. And that's all God, God just wants us to be faithful with what little we have, and he can take it and he can use it, you know. So there's a lot of application that could be made from that little boy, no doubt, no doubt. And we're to be like little children ourselves and be used to God. Brother Bob? Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. And right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, amen. And so, again, those there that were eating that bread, you know, they were fed by Jesus. Well, that doesn't mean that they were right with Jesus. You know, they, they, you know their motivations were wrong. Uh, we can't be positive about this, but it very well could be the very same ones that were there that day would later be saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, so, so again, all these things were confirmatory uh, to help them to understand a bigger truth to all this, you know. Uh, not to just be focused on the miracle, but what this miracle represents. Anybody else have anything? Good, good comments, good comments. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, all right. Everybody feeling all right today? Say amen or something, all right. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be happy up here, all right, so don't drag me down. <laughs> amen. All right, and then next week we have a very exciting story uh, of Jesus uh, walking uh, on the water. And uh, so I'm not sure what happened there to my, my Jesus got slid over to the right, but, uh, uh, but anyhow. But uh, praise the Lord, amen? And so a great, uh, a great lesson there. By the way, this Jesus walks on the water is in that interim where I was talking to you about he feeds the 5,000, then later he makes the declaration that I am the bread of life. This uh, event here happens in between those two things. And uh, so uh, you can read about that in the book of John there. All right, all right, all right. One last time. Any questions, comments? Amen, amen. Okay, all right. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Got about 15 minutes or so for church. All right, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of life and your love, your mercy, your grace. And uh, Lord, just...